I feel like I haven't seen you in months. Oh my god, everything's so muddled. I. Oh. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And oh my god. What were they thinking? Okay, so you know... You know the season finale of season two of Buffy? You mean the episode we literally just watched because this is literally the last episode of season two of Buffy? Like every single beat, except that in the last episode of season two of Buffy, I ugly sob every time I watch it despite the fact that I don't really care for the character of Angel and I know that he's going to be back in like two episodes you know how much I cried during this episode I think you negative cried I think moisture somehow was drawn into your body yeah yeah basically yeah so uh this is this is episode 11 of season five Swan Song. Or the last chapter of book seven, uh, It's Only a Model, which has failed to be an accurate summation of what's going on for a while. They just straight up dumped the Arthur stuff. Yeah, they are done with Camelot, aren't they? Yeah. Wait, what even happened to Arthur in modern day Storybrooke? I think he's in jail because remember they, they chased him down and then Hook was shaking him down for information in the jail cell. Wait, so he's just sitting in that jail cell right now. Arthur probably starved to death in that jail cell. Actually, we find out what happened to him. Not okay. this episode, but later. Spoiler alert, Arthur will wind up in hell for the hell season. Also, I was pretty sure that we learned who Violet's father was, but I guess it's not this season. Maybe it's not until the season where they go to the land of lost stories. Yeah, which, who gave a shit about Violet at that point? Okay, actually, I'm gonna give the show credit, because who her father is fits in really well in the land of lost stories, and 
they already gave him the name. So they were already planning that that's who he was. I'm going to give the show credit for something that it hasn't done in a long, long time. Subtly planting a seed. Mm. You know, like the opposite of the Wicked Witch shouting, I'll be back next season when the ratings are low because for some reason the writers really love me. Does she have a really big fan base? She does. Okay. And honestly, she seems like a really great person. I hate criticizing Zelina so much because Rebecca Mater seems like an awesome woman. Yeah, and she's a great actress in other things. I just, God, I hate this plot line. So we open on one of those minor kid reductions that you get sometimes. Kid reductions, yes. So we open on a small boy on a large ship in a storm-tossed sea. Hmm, a small boy on a ship in an episode dealing with Hook. Who could it possibly be? So the boy's father comes in to comfort him because he's scared because... He's seen Disney's Frozen. He knows what happens on ships. Or he's seen The Little Mermaid. He knows what happens on ships. Or he's seen Atlantis. He knows what happens on ships. You know, I hadn't thought about this before, but the speech the father is giving him is very like, you're an adult now. You have to be brave. Like, be a man. But it's very the kind of thing that an asshole dad would say to a kid who was afraid of monsters under their bed. He's afraid of a very real danger. Also, Tarzan's parents and Tarzan. I'm just saying, if you're in a Disney property, don't get on a ship. Nothing good is going to happen. Orlando Bloom is on ships sometimes in Disney properties. See? Okay, so this show. Also Pocahontas. Although in that case, the ships were bringing white dudes over. So just good things don't happen on ships. Good things don't happen on ships? Wait, what about Moana? Okay, one exception. Like, the whole lesson of Moana is to stop being afraid of ships. So anyway, once upon a time. So Hook's dad comes in and he's like, hey, hey kid, hey kid, shut up. You're going to be a man soon because I'm about to sell you into slavery. And before you become a man, you have to decide what sort of man you want to be. And Hook's like, if you're selling me into slavery, won't I not be a man? Won't I be basically a vassal? Except, of course... Hook's father doesn't tell him, I'm about to sell you into slavery. What he says is, what kind of man do you want to be? And those are going to be the mini arc words for this episode. What kind of man do you want to be? And baby Hook says, I want to be just like you. And his dad says, oh, that's so funny. This is going to be a funny thing to flashback on later. Yeah, you're going to get why that's funny in about 10 minutes. So go to sleep and don't worry about the fact that I'm going to sell you into slavery. Because, spoiler alert for my character... I basically make my living having kids and then selling them to people. You know, I was surprised that such a fucked up plot was in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. And they really don't go into the implications of this, which it definitely has implications. Well, they're male children, so not as many. Mm. I mean, basically, they are just like sea hands. Yeah. I honestly don't think that that's a really good way to make money because he has to take care of them for a while before. I mean, it's a lot of investment for, I can't imagine that much payoff. I can't imagine selling his children would offset the cost of raising them up to this point. You said that you said that Hook's father was doing it to make money, but you were just being cute. He actually <laughs> sold them so he could take a rowboat and escape because he's on the run from the law. 
Yeah, so the boy's father says, good night, Killian, so we'll know who this small child is. It's the return of the unrevealing reveal. Yeah. Oh my god, this is Killian? Shocker. But Killian is woken up, what has to be moments later, by an old man who's like, hey, I own you. Turns out your dad's like a wanted man or whatever, and the sea cops are after him. He's on the run from the long arm of the law. He fought the law and the sea law won. So he sold you two to me in exchange for a boat so he could escape. A rowboat. A rowboat. which ha- Not a good plan. Seriously. But you belong to me now. Don't worry. Somehow you're going to be in charge of a navy later in life from this point. Don't think about it too hard. Well, no, that actually makes sense if they were... Sold to a high enough ranking dude. No, no. If they ran away later and joined the navy. Mm. Because... I assume that would be one of the few ways that they could run away from their indentured servitude and not be worried about being turned back in because now they basically belong to the crown. Mm. Yeah, okay, I can see that. So we cut from the kid being like, ugh, crap, to adult Hook, who I thought when he was talking to Mr. Gold earlier, he was just trying to ape his mannerisms to mock him. But now I think that's just how Dark One Hook talks. We're going to get into this more later when Emma brings out her new, new, new Dark One voice. Seriously, Emma, it is the last episode where you are a Dark One. You should have settled on a voice ages ago. But adult Dark One Hook is confronting Rumple, and he's like, Ooh, you're going to be in trouble. You don't know what I've done. I've done something big and wicked and awful. And Rumple's like, Really, dude? Because it seems like mostly you've just been farting around. Yeah, Rumpelstiltskin's like, I'm sorry, I've met dark ones. I used to be a dark one. And you, my son, are a dim one. So Hook's like, well, I'll show you how dim I can be, and then bamps away. Uh, We cut to- honestly, I just, I need to say this. I mean- Technically, at the end of this episode, Hook redeems himself. Nope. And I know that I am really concerned with Regina's redemption, so I should be down with a redemption narrative. But even though I will forgive Hook by the end of this episode, I am never okay with him. Oh no, I hate him from this point on. Nothing he ever does will make up for what he's doing here. This is way worse than anything Regina's done. I'm putting that out there. She killed a bunch of people. She killed a bunch of people. But I'll make my argument when we I'm find out so what this one's I'm so excited for your, for, okay, wait, just a little preview. Is your argument going to be that she killed people that she hated and he kills people that he loves because he's an asshole? No, although that will feed into it. Okay, okay, we'll get there. So Emma and the Storybrooke crew are doing- They're doing their It's Time to Kill the Bad One Main Street Parade? Well, I was going to say they're doing their- They're doing their opening to a mutant enemy show. We're going to have the whole cast walking dramatically for the intro scene. Yeah, this shot would be really great for the opening credits if this show had opening credits. Yeah, it really looks like it was just done so they would have something to put at the beginning of every episode, but nope. Also, the dwarves show up because I guess they needed to be in this episode because we hadn't seen them in a while. Even though they only have like three lines. There's a re- the reason there's a reason they're here. It's dumb. We'll get to it. 
But they're all doing their dramatic, we're walking down the street and we're going to stop Hook from doing whatever it is that he's going to do. Resurrect the Dark Ones. I have to point out something upsetting now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grumpy says there are seven of us. And Happy points out there's only six. Dopey is still a tree. Hmm. What about Tiny? Presumably, I'm guessing he went back to Fairytale Land with Ruby because we knew the two of them were working together to create that bean. That You are so nice to the writers to come up with a perfectly adequate answer like that, that they didn't even bother to throw out a single line to explain. But yeah, I guess that works. Okay, so we have six dwarves. Oh my god. We have six dwarves. We have the Charmings. We have Henry. And we have Robin Hood. That's ten people. There are ten people here. Oh, okay. I know what you're going to say and I have an answer to it, but let's, let's continue. So just remember, ten people. Right? Oh, and Regina. Eleven. Eleven people. So, Emma's like, alright, I know we're doing a dramatic walk, but now I need to establish what we're doing. We're going to stop Hook using whatever means possible. And Mary Margaret's like, you don't mean killing him? And Emma's like, yes, I fucking mean killing him. And Mary Margaret's like, but you can't kill him. You love him. Oh my god, I just want to punch her in the fucking face. He, he, he's, he's bringing hell to earth. Okay, I'm going to explain what Mary Margaret is doing in a metaphor which may seem petty to you. Mm -hmm. But that's because you don't wear high heels. Okay. Okay, sometimes when you're wearing a slinky dress and you want your legs to look good, you wear very tall heels. And they hurt, but they make your legs look great. And then some asshole guy is like, wow, those shoes must really hurt. Do your legs hurt? Does that hurt? And it's like, yeah, asshole. I'm trying not to think about it. And Mary Margaret's like, but you love him. Won't it be hard to kill the person you love, even though it's the only thing left to do? And Emma's like, ugh. Just saying. I hate Mary Margaret. So they split into groups to try to find Hook to stop him from doing what he wants to do. Even though they know where he's going, like, they know he's trying to get all of the dark, all of the previous dark ones out of hell. And they know that the portal to hell is at that one lake, so I don't get why they're not all just going there, but, yeah. Whatever. So they decide to split the party. Mm-hmm. And Regina and Robin Hood almost instantly run into Zelina. Okay, I sort of, I get them splitting the party because, let's be clear, there are maybe two people who can actually do anything useful in this situation and everyone else would just be immediately taken hostage you're right i shouldn't have used the phrase split the party because that implies it was a mistake and they did in fact need to break up and cover more ground honestly basically everyone except for emma and regina should stay home during this sort of thing because they're the other members of the group are never useful and are only used as hostages Maybe Henry. Yeah, it, this is a wait-in-the-car situation. <laughs> Anyways, Lena appears in front of Regina and Robin, and Robin knocks an arrow, and look, it has been long, long established on this show that pointy sticks do no good against magical creatures, but for God's sake, Robin, either fire the arrow or stop aiming it at people. It's really annoying, and it makes you look very weak. It, it's a pointless thing. Zelina's like, so I'm- You're just tiring out your arm! He immediately puts it down, too. What's the point? Maybe maybe he doesn't want to kill her at all. Maybe this is just, like, him getting his isometric exercises in. So Zelina appears before them and she's like, 
So, we need to talk about our little custody arrangement, because I don't like it, and I'm going to change it so I have the baby all the time, and you're dead, because you're going to be dead, dead people. And Robin draws his bow again. What are you going to do, dude? What are you going to do? Zelina just thought it would be a good idea to remind everybody that she will never stop trying to kill them, in case we had any doubts that Emma should absolutely have been allowed to kill her last week. I mean... I don't know what it means that I'm like, just kill her, because I know that's, you know, wrong. It's antithetical to the themes of redemption this show occasionally thinks it has. But it just drives me crazy that... I, I don't know, so... My least favorite kind of villain is the kind of villain that is just so evil and so unstoppable, and no matter what the heroes do, it just keeps coming and coming... And it can't be outwitted or outmaneuvered. I like a villain that can be defeated by a sufficiently clever response. Or one that is like, well, there's lots of kinds of villains I like, but the kind I hate is the one that's just so powerful, there's nothing you can do. So powerful, there's really no reason that they couldn't just win right off the bat. Yeah. Honestly, Glory is that kind of villain. It's, it's a very frustrating thing to watch. And the solution for defeating Glory in season five of Buffy which is, you know, Buffy sacrificing herself because she is made up of a piece of Dawn, is, spoiler alerts for a 20-year-old show? Or is Dawn made up of a piece of Buffy? Yeah. I like how Anya points out in the next season that it really didn't make sense how that season ended. It's true, but it's sufficiently fine. It's sufficiently, like, it's poetically clever enough, even if it's not logistically clever enough, that it kind of makes the rest of the glory stuff better for me. It's fine. But I really hate watching that season. It's painful to just see people fail over and over again against someone who is just physically too strong for you to stop. That's why Zelina is not fun. If she just mystically overpowers them all the time, what what are we doing here? And she vacillates so much. Is she at Regina's level? Is she more powerful? I thought she was only more powerful because that amulet condensed her powers except sometimes it seems like she's naturally more powerful except maybe not maybe regina just didn't believe in herself hard enough except when regina's using light magic except regina doesn't do that anymore also i have no sympathy for her like if you're gonna give me a villain and make me watch them win over and over i have to have on some level a bit of sympathy for them and with Zelina, that just is not the case at all her motivations are bad. Look, like, she had a crappy upbringing welcome to everyone on this show, except for Snow White. Right? Look, I know people criticize the fandom sometimes, but Loki is a good example of a villain like Zelina, who is just so powerful, he keeps coming back again and again, and he can't be defeated, and so it's frustrating, but we have enough sympathy for him that it's not totally painful to watch him win. In fact, there's a large contingent of people who root for him, as wrong as that is. Well, I feel like it's sort of different with Loki, too, because, I mean, honestly, the only reason he keeps winning is because he's more clever than anyone else. In an out-and-out fight, Thor would just kick his ass. That's true. Honestly, Loki has basically an identical backstory to Zelina's. Well, he has an inverse backstory. Mm. But the... You know, the sibling of the hero that we're rooting for, who is underhanded, and... But, like, I hadn't thought about this before we started recording, but Loki is Zelina done right. Hmm. Both wear green. Yeah, they're both green-themed villains. 
Although Zelina really has more of, if we're, I'm assuming we're talking about cinematic universe here. Oh, yeah, cinematic universe Loki, obviously. Uh, Zelina is sort of like a less charismatic Hela. Oh my god, Hela. Talk about a villain that I root for for no reason. Because Hela also has the whole massively unbeatable thing. Yeah, I guess that's the rule. If you're going to give me a massively unbeatable villain... They should be fun. And I have to, on some level, root for them. Even if, you know, on the main level, I'm like, no, Thor's the good guy, he should win. On some level, I have to be rooting for them, or else it's just painful to watch. She killed poor, poor Zachary Levi, who had taken over the role from Josh Dallas. Should have stuck with Josh Dallas. We could have seen Josh Dallas get killed by Kate Blanchett. Ah, the dream. By the way, thank you for bringing us back to Once Upon a Time. Yeah, so Selena's like, you're all going to be dead soon. Hook summoned all the past Dark Ones into this world, and they're going to kill all of you, and then I'm going to have my baby, and I don't know why I'm telling you all of this. I guess it's to rub it in your face. Ha 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 ha. Bamf. I hate her. Yeah. So then a bunch of Dark Ones appear, and then Robin threatens them with an arrow, even though it's going to be just as effective as it would have been against Selena. Which is zero because he doesn't even lose it. God damn it. It's a dark one. You can shoot the arrow at them. But the dark ones surround all of the characters who had gathered to walk dramatically down the streets of Storybrooke. And they all get real up in their faces. I mean, as long as we're talking about how much this ripped off of Buffy, the visuals for this really reminded me of Hush. I was just about to say, the gentleman. It's like if they didn't have time to make the gentleman you know, scary, then it would be these dark ones. Right, the dark ones are all in completely body and face concealing cloaks as opposed to the gentleman, which looked awesome, but the eerily gliding down a nearly abandoned street motif definitely reminds me of Hush. God, Hush, I think the gentlemen are the scariest thing, but Buffy is presumably a horror show, but it's not generally that scary until you get to the gentleman, just the way they move. Well, I mean, that's 100% Doug Jones. I was about to say that just the Doug Jones, just the... And now I'm thinking about Pan's Labyrinth. And Doug Jones in that movie just gives me nightmares. Honestly, I think that all credit to him. Yeah. He was also the scary ice cream man in Legion. Legion, the Evil Angels movie, not Legion, the TV show slash normal oh, I, character. Oh, I did think you meant the movie. I. That's funny. I thought you meant the TV show we haven't watched yet. And I wasn't going to call us out that we haven't watched it yet. But I, for some reason, I ended up seeing Legion, the Evil Angel movie. That's in, hilarious. In theaters. No. Twice. What? I know. Was it for? No, it was for no good reason. It was just, I was with two separate groups of people who were both like, hey, maybe it would be fun to see this. And I'm like, okay. I was going to say, was it for? But then I couldn't think of a thing that would motivate you to go see it. Anyway, all of the Storybrooke crew and the dwarves have been approached by these masked figures including henry oh poor henry it's kind of interesting when uh the figure that approaches henry is nimue hmm wouldn't it be weird if we don't really get any resolution on the nimue thing that would be weird and it's not like the show to just abandon interesting plot lines willy-nilly anyway uh, nimue walks through henry something i think that's interesting about this is that when nimue is approaching henry Emma summons, Dark One Emma summons a light magic ball into her hands. Oh my god, you're right. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, she summons a light magic ball to defend Henry, but it's too late. Nimue gave Henry the walkthrough. 
and now he's been marked. They've all been marked with, I think it's supposed to be the different symbols from the Dark One well. Oh, okay. The, the special effect is so shiny. I thought it was just a ring of light, but you're right. It's definitely the symbols from the Dark One well. And everyone pulls out their wrists so you can see that they've all been marked with the Mark of Karen. The Mark of Karen? I know, right? Shut up, Karen. <laughs> but Rumple's like, holy, we're all gonna die and go to hell. That's the Mark of Karen. And Henry's like, Karen? That dude who ferries souls to the underworld? And he's like, no, much, much worse. Karen from HR is going to make you watch a continuing education video. It's the same one you watch during orientation, but the company is required to make you watch it every 24 months. You're not getting paid for this time. Wait, you don't get paid for that time? I absolutely do that shit on the clock. Oh, uh, I didn't have to watch that video. Which is too bad because I really like HR videos. Oh, so we have to deal with money a lot at my job. So there are like videos about best practices for handling money and we have to watch them every 24 months. Anyway, so when Hook summoned the all of the past Dark Ones to this realm, they only got a temporary pass and Karen needs to bring other souls back into hell. So the Dark Ones all chose a different person for this. So yeah, basically the only way they get to stay in our realm is to send another soul back to hell, which that makes sense. That, that works for me. So there were only, what, 11 Dark Ones? Only 11 get to stay. The rest have to go back to hell. I feel like there would have been more infighting about this sort of thing. It did. It just hell happened off screen. The boar lost. The boar doesn't get to stay. <sighs> yeah, the number of Dark Ones we see inflates and deflates multiple times throughout this episode. Yeah. Rumple tells them that they're going to hell, which is worse than they could possibly imagine. It looks like storybook, except sepia-toned! Yeah, he's like, it's worse than the fires and pitchforks up the butt that you're expecting. Honestly, the way that Rumple is describing this torture, just keep that in mind for when we get to the hell season, which, to be fair, is torture. <gasps> Maybe Rumple thinks that hell is having to watch the next storyline on Once Upon a Time. In which case, he's right, you would beg for death. The real hell is the friends and family we've made along the way. Yes! So, Rumpel tells them that they're all gonna be, you know, burning in hell as the Dark Ones are sitting in their houses and drinking all of their booze. Speaking of, he's gonna go home and drink all of his good booze before, you know, that happens. Yeah! He's not, he's gonna have a scene with Belle, but yeah. Also, he's not, he's plotting because he's fucking Rumpelstiltskin. And what would he be if he wasn't plotting? I think... We're in hell because they're just repeating the same goddamn story over and over with him. Oh my god, this show is recreating what it was like to be stuck in Storybrooke during the curse. We're not in hell, we're cursed. Repeating the same thing over and over again. Mm, clever. Nice meta move show. Well played. So, Regina has found Hook standing on the docks, and she's like, Hey Killian, stop being a whiny ass baby Get over your shit and stop sending us to hell. And he's like, oh, what? No Captain Guyliner? No pithy nicknames? And she's like, oh my god. Grow up. She's what kind of man do you want to be, dickballs? And he's like, oh, those are the awkwards for this one episode and this one episode only. And then she reminds us that they have history, that she hired him to kill her mother. But before she did, she had a test for him. 
Yeah, you know, when we were watching this, you called this a retcon. It's not really a retcon. It's more like a midquel. Mm. Like, there's nothing saying this didn't happen. This is the Beauty and the Beast Some Enchanted Christmas of Once Upon a Time. Exactly. This is that midquel to the fox and the hound where it turned out they joined a band featuring dog Reba back entire. Yeah. It's not that bad. I haven't actually seen either one of those. Well, and you know what else isn't bad? We finally get to flash back on an amazing evil queen outfit. Thank God. And Lana Priya, like, knows this is the first amazing outfit she's had to wear for a while. She gets out of a carriage in the flashback, and she does it like she she is posing. She is posing at every step of this getting out of the carriage. She is slinking around in that outfit. She knows it has been too long since we have seen this. Literally every frame of her getting out of this carriage looks like they took the best shot from a photo shoot. Accurate! Oh my god. But yes, she gets out and she's like, so, I hear you're the man you go to when you need someone killed and he's like shouldn't i be in neverland at this point or i guess i'm out of neverland at this point but why am i on land like we're not at a dock or anything shouldn't i still be being a pirate here he has a goblet of wine that he has taken from her castle so presumably this happened in between her summoning him to give him the mission to kill cora and him going to kill cora this is kind of fun because she's like I'm not just going to hire you all willy-nilly. I can't start out with sending an incompetent assassin, then my mother will know what to expect. Even though I've already basically tried to press you into service. What I'm going to do is give you, basically, a, uh, not a job interview, but, like, one of those typing tests they give you to make sure that you're able to, you know, actually do the job. Sure. Um, I just want to point out, too, that the Evil Queen outfit that she's currently wearing has a collar made out of black feathers... And when Hook returns from not killing Korra, she will be wearing an entire coat of black feathers. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I like that. So Henry is trying to do research in Regina's tomb, but there's no way out. Like David says, look, we're all just going to go to hell. And Mary Margaret's like, you know what? You're right. We are just going to go to hell. Also, look at this baby I remembered I have. I'm holding a baby now. Wait, I'm glad you brought up the baby because Emma's like, wait, but if you just give up and go to hell, who's going to take care of Neil? And Mary Margaret's like, you, congratulations. Because Emma did not get the special go to hell mark on her wrist. Just her entire family and the dwarves. Well, that makes sense. I would assume as a dark one, she would be immune from it because she can't die. Well... Unless she gets stabbed by the Dark One Dagger, or unless she hugs Peter Pan very hard. Oh dear god, this show. Thank you for reminding us all of the Peter Pan season. I feel like that is setting the mood for the upcoming hell season. Yes. But she goes over to Mary Margaret and she's like, You can't give up. You never give up. She's always giving up. It's like one of her character traits. It's well, Remember when everyone had three character traits? Mary Margaret gives up if other people are ready to fight mary margaret's consistent character trait is her contrarianism she is mary mary quite contrary (gasps) oh my god it's the crossover i didn't oh my god wow good catch so the reason that mary margaret wants to give up is because now you'd think okay david wants to give up so logically she should be being a contrarian against him but henry and emma want to fight 
Ah, uh, so she's outvoted. Yes. So since two people don't want to give up, she wants to give up. Yes. She always wants to go against the general consensus. She would be a terrible leader. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know. We know what a terrible leader she is. And Emma's like, you can't just give up. You'll be leaving your baby alone. And Mary Margaret's like, did you forget your origin story? We fucking love leaving babies alone. She also is like, hey, remember how you gave up a kid and you regret it? Here, raise this one. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do better this time. I mean, the kid will be better being raised by Emma than by than being raised by Mary Margaret and David. So, you know, whatever. Although, interestingly enough, we started liking Henry after he got memories of being raised by Emma. Do you think Emma might actually just be a really good mom? Yes. Yes, headcanon accepted. Because that's kind of weird, right? We had the... All that animus against Henry. And then we... A, a lot of our turnaround on Henry came after he got the fake memories of being raised by Emma. Okay, wait. But that implies that the problem was Regina, and I refuse to accept that. Mm. Not that it was good being raised in a world where the same day repeated over and over and no one aged except for you. Listen. Mini plug for my next podcast, my my solo, my solo podcast, which who knows if, when it's going to come out, but it's going to be about tie-in novels, and the first book will be Henry and Violet, and honestly, they had an opportunity to go into what that kind of childhood was like, and they just whiffed it completely. I think it was good that Henry has, because it doesn't really come up much, but Henry also now has two sets of memories. Henry and Emma both now have two sets of memories. It's, I, I think it's a lot like Connor in Angel, how Connor was raised in a demon dimension, so when he came back to Earth, he was- He was the shittiest person ever. That's my second least favorite kind of villain, by the way. The kind who, like, won't listen to reason. And you know that they have a good motivation for not listening to reason, but it's just stopping the plot, and I don't like it when characters just grind the plot to a halt for no reason. But then after he had the memories of being raised by a normal family on Earth, he was a lot calmer because... He had a good baseline. Yes. Although, okay, so I read a bunch of the Angel and Faith comics, the uh, Christos and Gage ones, which you should read. They're good. But Connor's a character in there, and he's a really good, really likable character. He has this good balance of behaviors. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I was way too hard on Connor. Connor's awesome. And then I went back and rewatched Angel and I was like, oh, this is based off of the like 10 seconds in the final episode where Connor wasn't a little shit. Well, I think part of the issue might be the actor who really found his niche playing the incredible asshole Pete Campbell on Mad Men. Whiny man. When he shows up again in the series finale, he's fine. Sure. Like, when he's like, yeah, I started getting my memories back, but now that I have good memories, too, I'm not an awful person. No, it's true. It's just, I think about Will Wheaton talking about how acting for him was better when he stopped going out for leading man roles and started going out for asshole roles because he realized that was his niche. Mm. I think it's the same with uh, Victor, what's his name? Cause something. Yeah. Mr. Alexis Bledel. Yes. You know, he was in a movie called Masterminds, which is Die Hard. With kids with time with time freezing. No. 
That was Clockstoppers. Oh my god. No, th- th- this was Die Hard, uh, but it took place at a super fancy elementary school. Uh-huh. And the bad guy, instead of Severus Snape, was Jean-Luc Picard. Okay, don't know if that's amazing or terrible. Patrick Stewart was having a lot of fun during that movie. So, Emma still has hope. And her hope is that she can save everyone by killing herself. Yeah, she tells Regina, she's like, okay, Regina, I'm telling this to you because you know the importance of keeping a secret, but I'm going to suck all- Wow, cold. Yeah. But I'm going to suck all the darkness into myself, and then I'm going to stab myself, and that will get rid of all of the dark ones, I guess. Well, she's telling Regina, because Regina is the one who has to stab her. Regina has to, she's going to suck all of the darkness into Excalibur. Regina will stab her with Excalibur, and then there will be no more darkness. Why does she need Regina for this? I you mean, can't stab yourself with a sword. Sure you can. Especially if you've got magic. Well, she can't. Just kind of prop it up and then run into it. Anyway. It should have been you need to be stabbed by someone who loves you. God damn it! But anyway. It should have been! But anyway. uh, Emma's going to suck all of the Dark Ones into her body because she still contains all Dark Ones in her even though they're out and about in different bodies. I guess it's going to be a Neil Rumpelstiltskin situation. Sure. But yeah, she's going to consolidate them all into one body and then... Regina will stab her with the Dark One dagger. It will dis- with the with Excalibur. Yes. It will destroy all of the Dark Ones, and everyone will be safe from going to hell. Won't it also destroy all of magic? Since Excalibur is the Holy Grail, and the Holy Grail is the basis of all magic in this world. No, because you can cut away just dark magic. I <sighs> honestly, this is the problem with any show that is not for children, and really, a good children's show won't have this problem either. But this is the problem when you have good capital G and evil capital E. Like, it takes away the concept of free will, and so, you know, what is evil magic? What is good magic? Because we've seen a lot of people use dark magic to heal other people. Right? And we've seen good fireballs, so what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, Emma good magic Corella off a cliff. But then that was bad. Yeah, but it was bad. Even though that was self-defense. She was literally defending her child. Anyway, speaking of things that are inherently evil, we cut to Mr. Gold's shop where Mr. Gold is giving Belle a potion that will allow her to safely cross the town line. Because at some point she had her I Want song where she talked about wanting to explore the great wide somewhere, but really it's okay. She'll just hook up with a guy and that'll be pretty much the same instead yeah he's like hey remember when you wanted to leave this provincial town how about you do that remember that storyline about how you want to be an adventurer that shows up once every two seasons or so so here's a potion that'll let you go over the town line which why is there still even something blocking the town line but whatever maybe it's an inherent part of the curse so as long as the curse isn't broken that's going to be an issue why didn't Emma D-tree Dopey at any point? Maybe she can't. Emma, remember, didn't isn't the one who cast the curse, so maybe... Oh, right. Hook did. Yeah, so maybe she can't go over the town line either. Solid point. Remember when the curse just stopped you from leaving the town? Like, and, it didn't do stuff to you, it just stopped you from leaving? And it stopped you in a way that had plausible deniability, like your mother had a heart attack or you crashed your car. Lots of crashing your car. 
Anyway, Belle tells Rumple that he really is a hero. If heroics is defined as giving Belle things that she wants. Yeah, he's like, since we're apparently not going to be together because you want to find yourself or whatever, here's a potion so you can go out and, I don't know, go to New York, I guess, because that's the only place outside of Storybrooke. But yes, apparently Rumple is a hero for giving her a potion that'll let her drive around the country. And then Rumple looks at his wrist, revealing that he too has been marked for hell, which, you know. Yeah, we, we were there. We saw. So... His rumination over his eminent demise is interrupted by Regina and Emma entering the shop and demanding that he give them Excalibur so that they can take away all the evil. And he's like, the only possible way Excalibur could be of use is if you were planning on sucking all of the Dark Ones back into yourself and then having Regina step you, thus ridding the world of darkness. Oh, that's what you're going to do. He's like, here, take the sword. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Also, I mean... Is it too late to revisit the Let's Kill Zelina plan? I guess it would be harder to stick off the Dark Ones in Zelina. Mm, whatever. So Rumple goes back and does, we don't see this, but he goes back and has the sword off screen for a short period of time. He tinkers with Excalibur and returns with it. We don't see the tinkering, but we hear him doing something with the sword. And he presents it to Emma. And he's like, you're a brave woman. Okay, now get out of my shop. He points out before she leaves that it might not work. Yes, because she might not be worthy of wielding Excalibur, seeing as how she is not the rightful king of England. And she's like, okay, that sounds like an interesting plot thread, but this is the last episode of this arc. I don't have time for that plot thread. Although I think maybe the reason that line was in there was to give Regina an idea. And Regina does get an idea and take off. Hmm. In the past, the evil queen has brought Hook to a tavern with a strict anti-pirate policy. Yep, yep. And she's like, in order to prove that you are ready, willing, and able to kill my mother, you're going to have to kill a dude in here first. And he's like, which dude? And she's like, oh, you'll know. And this giant dude comes up to him and is like, hey, we don't like us pirates in here. And Hook is like, oh, I am ready to kill this guy. And Regina's like, oh, not him. And then she just breaks his neck with a flick of her wrist. Also, everyone in the tavern sees this, but no one really reacts to it. They are super cool with people just being killed in the tavern. Which, honestly, since he's the innkeeper, I think that means drinks on the house, right? Well, the bartender's still there. The bartender is conspicuously still there because, uh-oh, It's Hook's dad. Yeah, Regina's like, no, no, no. This is not a show about that. This is a show about daddy issues. You ready for this, Oedipus? Right. Anyway, speaking of parent issues... Why isn't Hook's dad anyone, by the way? He's just some random dude. They could have drawn something in here. There are so many people his dad could have been. I mean, they already blew their Blackbeard load. He could have been Captain Nemo, who's not going to show up for a couple more seasons. Yeah. He could have been a lot of dudes. There are a lot of nautical dudes. and Honestly, he doesn't even really have to be nautical. Because he's, he's a criminal. He could just be a criminal. Hell, he could be Odysseus. That's so funny because when you were ta- when they were on the ship, I was thinking about Odysseus. He could be Jack. Sparrow? No, no. Not, not a nautical guy. He could just be Jack. He could be like... Oh, like Fables Jack. Yeah, I was just... This show doesn't have a Jack. Yeah, I mean, we had we briefly had Jack who was sleeping with charming we had we had female jack the giant killer but we haven't had jack the embodiment of kind of trickster boy 
on this show. I mean, Would that be too stealing from fables, you think, or? I mean, it is a fairy tale. I was thinking about the story about Jack capturing death. That could that could have fit nicely into the Once Upon a Time mythos. And it would have explained why this character is still alive after hundreds of years. We get an explanation for that, which does not make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Also, they don't all need to be the same Jack, the way that they are in Fables. Um, the way Prince Charming is the same prince in Fables. It could just be the Jack who caught death. Also, I just want to throw out there, Jack just means boy. That's why they're all called Jack. Oh. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, Hook sees his dad and he's like, oh, I'm going to have to kill my dad to prove myself to you. And Regina's like, yup. Anyway, speaking of terrible parents, we cut from that to Zelina, who is sitting at Regina's desk in the mayoral office, just being a bitch. I don't get why she's not in Regina's house. Did they forget that this isn't Regina's house? Well, this was the next set they had to cut to, so it just made things easier. Uh, Zelina is sitting at Regina's desk, and she's looking at paint swatches because she's going to paint the office green for when she lives here. We get it! You have a theme color! Jesus Christ! Also, I love how Regina kind of casually picks up the paint swatches thing and throws it into the trash. Yeah, she is not having this. It's it's this neat little bit of physical humor here. Zelina also calls Regina and Robin Hood Gina and Robbie, which I am not okay with. No. No. She's like, haha, you're going to be dead, and I'm going to have the baby, and I guess I'm going to be mayor or whatever. Ha 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 God, I hate her. Anyway, Regina's like, hey, talking about Excalibur and weapons that have worthiness tests reminded me that I have the apprentice's wand. And Zelina's like, wait, couldn't you not use that because you needed a balance of dark and light? And Regina's like, turns out that's a crock of horseshit. You just need to believe in yourself. Yeah, Regina's like, we retconned what worthy means and now I am worthy. Well, it wasn't about worthiness. It was this dumb thing about having a balance of good and evil. That's the whole reason they needed Zelina for it. Oh, I was using worthy in like a broader sense, like the person who can, who has the ability to. But the important thing is that Regina can now use the Sorcerer's Apprentice Wand. And for basically no reason, she teleports herself and Zelina up to the clock tower. I think because the CGI of her summoning a tornado was easier to film from in the clock tower than in the mayoral office. So she vamps the two of them up there. She summons the realm hopping tornado. So they can just hop realms whenever they want now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she tornadoes Zelina back to us. And Zelina's like, Team Rocket's blasting off again. Or in other words. We're not done with Zelina. Yeah. She's like, this is only temporary. I'm going to be back because they keep bringing me back for no goddamn reason. And Regina says, we'll see you somewhere over the rainbow. Okay, so the MGM Wizard of Oz movie exists in this universe. And Regina has seen it. Also, Disney, that is something you don't own. Oh, I was going to say, how come Regina has never shown Margaret Hamilton to Zelina to be like, this is what the people think you are. But that's why, because Disney doesn't own it. Yeah, they're in a Disney property. Disney is so mad about the fact that they don't own that version of the Wizard of Oz. I know. Hoisted by their own fucking copyright laws. I mean, they made Oz the Great and Terrible. Why don't they just get off their asses and do a Wicked movie? Everyone wants it. It will make so much money. A Wicked movie has been in development with various places for a long time. Yeah, but now Disney owns everything. I think there are more things in the way of that. And they already did Frozen, which is basically Wicked, but not as good. They should do Wicked as a 3D animation movie. 
Oh yeah, no, that's what I meant. They should be doing an animated version of Wicked. Oh, I thought you meant a live action version, which is what they've been trying to do. No, that's stupid. They need to do an animated version of Wicked. Holy shit, that would be amazing. Has that ever been done before? What do you an mean? An animated adaptation of a stage musical? I, I feel like it has. I mean... I can't think of one. See, I keep going back to stuff that's eating itself. Because, you know, Disney makes musicals out of it. Right, right. I need to think on that for a while. If you can think of anything, feel free to message us. So the green tornado sucks up Selena and carries her into the next season. At least we're done with her for this episode. So the Charmings decided, since they were on the giving up train, that they're going to have one last meal as a family at Granny's before they all get sent to hell. So that's going to happen. And they've told Emma to join them when she's done trying to save the world. And she walks in on a bucolic scene with Mary Margaret and David fussing over the baby they remember they had. And Henry looking on like, wow, I feel like an awkward fourth wheel. Yeah, Henry does not look happy to be there. Also, really? You're about to go to hell and Granny's is the last place you want to eat? They have burgers and fries there. Get a nice meal for your last meal at least. Come on. Come on, guys. There are burgers and fries in hell. (laughs) So... So Emma decides that she cannot interrupt this scene because she has to go sacrifice her life because she is, after all, a charming. She leaves a note on the jukebox that says, To my family, presumably saying goodbye, and then heads out back to the street where Hook and the other dark ones are waiting. Hook and Nimue and all the dark ones, they're not paying to have lines. And Nimue tells Hook, You know what you have to do. And he's like, And we flash back to the last time Hook knew what he had to do in the tavern, which is now empty, but for his father, Barkeep. Who does not recognize him. And he's like, hey, uh, you need to leave because we're closed now. Uh, I don't want any trouble. And Hook's like, you mean because I'm a dirty pirate? And he's like, no, I mean because you came in with a lady who snapped a dude's neck with her mind. And he's like, I'm just a bad person. The way you would expect a person to be bad if they were abandoned at sea by their father. And Hook Dad is like, you're Liam. Or the other one. What's his bucket? The crybaby. And Hook's like, I'm the crybaby. Oh, God. This is... Sons confronting absentee fathers is a thing? We've all heard the worst song ever. Oh, I... Yeah, that's a bad song, but that's just, like, about a guy working. I was thinking about, like, In Community or How I Met Your Mother or there's actually a good plot line about that in um, Grey's Anatomy. But, yeah, no, the or Charmed. Basically, confronting the deadbeat dad is a thing. We've all seen it before. This is not the best of it. This is not a good take on a very, very tired concept. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You said it in you said it in fewer words, that's good. So Hook's like, Liam's dead. I'm the other one. What's my real name? Killian. Killian. And then he's like, My life has been a terrible, sad tale of woe and revenge. And his dad's like, oh my god. Jesus fucking Christ. And he's like, wait, how are you not dead? It's apparently been hundreds of years. And Hook's like, I'm in Neverland. How are you not dead? And Hook Dad is like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There was a sleeping curse or whatever, and... Okay, you know, I was going to blow over it because the explanation is so stupid, but let's talk about how stupid it is. Okay, so... He does say he was under a sleeping curse. I'm going to, once again, prove how much of a giant nerd I am by referencing 
a X-Men storyline in which Havoc is in a coma. Okay. And there's a nurse who falls in love with him while he's in the coma. Not okay. Go ahead. Not great. And her kid's a mutant and he ends up... It, it, it turns out that he was telepathically connecting the two of them while she was sleeping. And that's how she fell in love with him because she was having this subconscious romance with him. Okay. Better, I guess. This isn't that. Apparently somebody hooked dad pissed off, put him under a sleeping curse, which is a lot of effort when you can just stab a person. And some woman came and pulled a Mary Margaret in season one and like read to him and fell in love with him in his unconscious form. And apparently it was true love because when she decided to make out with him, it brought him back to life. Well, he says he fell in love with her because he could hear her, which we know isn't true because he was in the fire room. Anyway, whatever. So he's awake and alive and he feels super bad about that one time he abandoned Hook and his brother. I mean, he didn't abandon them. He He sold sold them. But he feels really bad about that. And he's trying to start his life anew, but he just needs 500 bucks to get started, man. And you look like you're doing pretty well for yourself as a pirate, so why don't you just loan me 500? Oh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend does this plot, too. Yes, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend does a much better take on this plot. Oh, God, I cry thinking about it. Mm, not so much here. No. But his... as, you, as you said, I reverse cried. But... She... Look, Hook needs to kill him to get this job, but now he's not willing to kill him because he's changed. He's decided what kind of man he wants to be, and it's a better man. So Hook is going to fake his death and smuggle him out of the country. And Hook Dad tells him, well, you can't just smuggle me out. You have to smuggle out my new son. Son 2.0. I call him the good one. I kind of whiffed it the first time, and I guess technically the second time. Since, you know, Liam's dead. But, you know, just let me be a better father now. Hook, I know that you are an angry man whose life is full of woe and revenge, but don't you want to help out the person who replaced you in my heart? So we cut back to the modern day. Where any sympathy I might have for Hook is completely evaporated by the shitty way that he treats Emma, the woman he supposedly loves. My sympathy... Oh, we'll get into it at the end of the episode. Actually, you know what? I am gonna I am gonna jump to the end of the episode. Okay. At the end of the episode, everything is defeated, yellow crayon style. Okay. Willow doesn't like magically reinsole him. He just decides to stop being an asshole, and that means he could have decided to stop being an asshole at any other point. Let's continue. Hmm. So. He appears in Emma's house. Emma has Excalibur. She's getting ready to do the sucking the dark ones into her so she can blah, 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 blah. And Hook is all like, I'm so angry that you turned me into the dark one. You robbed me of my revenge. And Emma's like, really? This is still about your thing with Rumpelstiltskin? Seriously? She's like, that was so many seasons ago. That was like four seasons, like 200 years and 5,000 fucks ago. And she tries to explain to him, I just didn't want to watch you die. And he's like, well, now you're going to watch me kill everyone. Not just kill everyone. Not just kill everyone. You're going to watch me send your entire family to hell to get revenge on one guy. What an asshole. 
Also, I just want to bring this up. This rationale doesn't even really make sense because he's the dark one. He doesn't need Nimue to get revenge on Rumpel. He could just go use his magic and get revenge on Rumpel. Rumpel has no powers protecting him. Hook could literally snap his neck by thinking about it hard. What kind of shitty dark one is Hook that he needs all of the other dark ones behind him? But he bamps out when Emma tries to stab him, and he appears behind her as Henry, and he's like, Mom, it's totally me and not Hook. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, give me the sword. And she's like, okay. And he's like, haha, sucker, I was Hook, and teleports away. Ah, love is her weakness. I think being an idiot is her weakness. Suddenly Henry appears behind her in a puff of red smoke and she's not like, huh, isn't shape-shifting something the Dark One can do? Well, she was trying to stab Hook. Honestly, if Hook was smarter, he could have teleported away, teleported Henry to her, so that when she spun around to stab him, she would stab Henry by mistake, and then she'd have to live with the fact that she killed Henry. Like, honestly, her real mistake is overestimating Hook. So, Mary Margaret and David find Emma's letter on the jukebox... And they're like, we have to stop her because we need to go to hell. And they get stopped by Nimue, who's like, I'm stopping you from stopping Emma from stopping us. Yep, she teleports them to the lake where they go to hell. Yeah, she teleports them to the hell lake. And Mary Mark is like, my baby, my baby, I just remember it existed. And Robin's like, don't worry, we shoved. She says, don't worry. No, 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 no. She says she freaks out about Neil and honestly, nobody responds to her because there is no answer to that because, yeah, they did just teleport out of Granny's diner and Neil is still in the diner. Yeah, she sees Robin and she's like, where's Roland and the baby? And he's like, they're with the fairies. But that really doesn't solve her thing that Neil is now alone in the diner. No, all it does is highlight that they knew that they were going to be transported at midnight. So maybe they should have made babysitting arrangements. Also... Just mythologically speaking, leaving your baby with fairies is not really a great idea. Completely accurate. And we're going to see why later in the show. Yes, although I do have to say that these are Disney fairies, so it's it's more of a Sleeping Beauty situation. Mm. So I'm sure they're fine. I don't know. I wouldn't want to leave my kid with blue. So Karen's ship shows up and the Dark Ones are all gloating. About how they're all going to go to hell. Emma runs up through the massive field of dark ones. These numbers do not add up, but whatever. Also, I told wh- you, only 11 of them get to stay. The rest are all going back down to hell. And Regina turns to Hook and she's like, Hook, I know I said this early in the, earlier in the episode. I'm saying it here again. Stop being a fucking baby. Get over yourself. Cut this out now. You're being a douche for literally no reason Stop it. Stop it now. I'm sorry. Is Emma's magical friend trying to put her boyfriend's soul back before he opens the gates to hell? Uh, Is is that what's happening right now? Yes. Emma's very powerful magical friend is trying to restore her evil boyfriend's soul before he sends them all to hell. God damn it. This is the end of Buffy season two. In which Hook is both Angel and Xander. (laughs) Hook is like, I'm the big bad. Kick my ass. (laughs) Regina reminds Hook that she knows who he really is. And they cut back to the flashback. We go back to him watching Hook Dad tell new son the same thing he told him, you know. About not being afraid of things. Yeah. 
you're going to be a man soon because my old family has come back into my life and I'm super going to eat it. So I'm going to tell you the same thing I told him before I sold him into slavery. Yeah. It's literally the same exact speech. Yeah. And Hook is like, what the fuck? Really? And then Hook Dad says goodnight to his new son. His new son, Liam. Yeah. I decided to name the baby Hank. I always wanted a son named Hank, but you named me Hank. You're right. You know what? I'm going to call him Good Hank. Thank you for that King of the Hill deep cut. Hmm. Which you you would think that new Liam is going to be an important character. He's not. He'll be back. Anyway, outside, Hook is like, you just named him after Liam? You were just like, oh, I'm just going to replace Liam. And Hook's dad's like, well, I wasn't going to replace you. You were a lemon. Huh. Ouch. My wife died before we could have a second kid I could name after you. Honestly, that's like insult to injury, right? He replaced his son and not even the one you are. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. I only wanted to name him. I wanted to name him after my good kid. <laughs> Hook does not take this well. Hook stabs him. Yes. Hook stabs him in the gut. And Hook dad is like, ha, I get to die with moral superiority. Suck it, asshole. I'm a good person in death. Blah. Yeah. Well, actually, what he says is, this wor- this episode's arc words. You can still decide the man you want to be. Also, you should properly do something about my kid. Blah. Yep. And then we cut back to Storybook, where Hook is like, oh, right, good person. And he's thinking about being a good person really, really hard. And Emma gets up to solve the plot, and Nimue starts to force choke her. But since she's a dark one, she can't die. She can just be basically force choked forever. And Hook's like, oh, I'm going to go all Darth Vader and Return of the Jedi and suck all of you into me so Emma can go all Buffy at the end of season two. Like, Yeah, yeah. basically Hook is like, oh, now that I see Emma in pain, I've decided to join the good guys and trap all the dark ones in the sword the way Emma intended to originally, which is weird because he's been being nasty to Emma for the last three episodes. And that didn't inspire him to stop being a dillweed. Yeah, it caused Emma some pain when you were planning to send her entire family to hell, including her son. But oh, suddenly watching her being force choked, he's like, wait a second, I love her and I was doing all of this for no fucking reason. Anyway, you all know how this story goes. Killian has sucked all of the evil into the sword, but, you know, he can barely contain it. He's good now, I guess. But this blonde savior, nonetheless, has to run him through with a sword to save everybody else. Yes, the blonde chosen one must stab her boyfriend, who was originally evil, but then became good before succumbing to evil again because of something she did. But now he's good again because of the actions of her magical best friend. And in order to stop the thing he started when he was evil, she has to plunge a sword through his chest. And in doing so, she, by the way, remember this. In doing so, she apparently does end all evil because stabbing him with the sword, not him sucking the dark ones into the sword, but her stabbing him with the sword makes her return to normal Emma. Yes. It sucks all of the dark oneness out of the world and destroys it. Because that was the plot. The plot was 
her plot was putting it together to destroy all evil magic. So there is theoretically no evil magic in the world now. There should be no evil magic now that she has contained it all in Hook and then stabbed Hook. This is important because this doesn't make sense given what we are about to find out. So Hook is dead. Someone called the EMTs, which I find kind of hilarious. There are EMTs in Storybrooke? But they wheel away his dead deceased corpse. That's going to present some issues later, I think. But Emma's really sad that the guy who just tried to send her family to hell is dead. Including, hey, guess what? Your son. Maybe it's just me, but when a guy shows himself to be that much of an asshole, I'm pretty much done with him. Yeah, no. Fuck him. And apparently it wasn't like... It's not even like he was possessed. He saw her looking vaguely sad, and he's like, oh, wait, I guess I don't want this anymore? No! No! Terrible relationship! Do not... He has no excuse for his bad behavior, and he does not deserve to marry Emma. Spoiler alerts. Whatever. Also, because I forgot to mention it last time, I feel like it is a good time to mention that Emma's vagina of doom has struck again. Oh yeah, Hook is dead. Yeah, I meant to point it out when he died the last time, but it but he came it. back. Well, well, yeah. But this death is going to stick a little bit longer. Um. So I just wanted to talk about the missed opportunity when they go to hell with the dark ones and Karen the fairyman. Mm-hmm. Because as you, Max, are aware, my favorite fairy tale is one that never gets adapted: the shoes that were danced to pieces. Mm-hmm. And that involves princes bringing princesses down to hell on their boats every night. I feel like it could have been incorporated into the hell season in a really cool way, and it is not. But I do bring it up to say that on our Patreon, occasionally I read fairy tales for the patrons, and that is the first one I did because it's my favorite fairy tale. You should check it out. Yes, if you want to become a patron at the $5 or above level, I will occasionally read fairy tales to you. Now that that's been subtly worked in. I, you told me to try to work it out. And you you did. Yeah. So back in Rumpel's shop, Rumpel's sitting there thinking, huh, it sure is weird that we're at the very end of this season and I haven't betrayed everyone yet. Yeah, it's been a while since he's betrayed anyone in a serious fashion. Right? Anyway, Belle comes in and is like, Oh my god, the world was about to end, and you sent me away selflessly. You are a hero who betrayed no one. I definitely love you. Yeah, turns out I don't actually need adventure. I just need your dick, which is, in all fairness, a fairly uh, loyal thing from the Disney movie of Beauty and the Beast, where she wants adventure in the Great Wide somewhere, but only for the first part of the movie. I mean... Isn't that a human thing to think you want adventure and then realize that what you really want is just a mind-blowing orgasm? Yes. Yes, it is. Meanwhile, Emma is sleeping like a vampire in Regina's office. Yeah, she's got her arms crossed over her chest like you can't see me. But anyway, she wakes up because she hears a whispering. And we cut to Rumpel post-coitus with Belle. That was some fast coitus. That was some very fast coitus. That was not a that was not enough coitus to be worth giving up the world for. <laughs> but Emma is in Rumpel's shop now. She sent him a text to meet her at his shop. And he's like, this is not an appointments only place, bitch. You come in when the sign says open. 
Yeah, this is a place with, this is a business with set business hours. You can't just come in all willy-nilly. He does tell her, you're not invited, which is funny since she was just sleeping like a vampire. I wonder if they were kind of trying to do some subtle vampire imagery there. But she's like, so I, I'm i not a dark one anymore, but I was a dark one. And I got the dark one heebie-jeebies, so I know you did something dark one-y. Yeah, I can totally hear the dagger. And he's like, oh, wow. Ex-Dark Ones can hear the dagger. I didn't know that because there are no ex-Dark Ones. Dark Ones just die. Yeah, they're like Santa Claus in the Santa Claus movie. Fucking dark, man! Yeah. Mm. But he's like, yeah, so before I gave you Excalibur, I put some plot dust on it that made a duplicate or something? No, no, no. It created a portal inside Excalibur. So that when the dark oneness was sucked into the sword, it went through the sword and into Rumple. So it wasn't actually in the sword at all. It was in Rumple. So even though the sword was like unable to be contained until Hook was stabbed, there was no darkness in it. And now Rumple is the dark one again. Even though Emma's darkness wasn't sucked out by the sword, Emma's darkness was sucked out by stabbing Hook. Our Emma's darkness was disintegrated when she destroyed dark magic by stabbing Hook. But somehow she didn't destroy dark magic, and also this magically created a new dagger, despite the fact that the dagger isn't a part of dark oneness, it was created after the fact by Merlin to control Nimue. Yeah, she just had that power free range before. So Rumple just created a dagger that could control him for no reason. Also, he has the power of all dark ones now, not just... He already had the power of all dark ones, and Emma's like... It's like being the Avatar. You're hook- You're yes. just tapping into the same or energy. Or the Slayer. Or the Slayer. Like, it's not like if there's a bunch of them at once that's more powerful. They all just... And Emma says, you found a loophole. And it's like, no, he did not find a loophole. He made up a bunch of nonsense. Anyway, that's what's going on now. Yeah, this logically, this doesn't track at all. It's just word garbage. But the important thing is that now he's like an extra concentrated dark one. I think the important thing is now the status quo has returned and Rumple is the dark one. Yeah. So basically he hit the hard reset button. Yeah. And I was like, well, I still have my magic powers and I might not be able to stop you with savior powers, but I could definitely hold you off long enough to tell Belle what a pile of shit you are. Which is just a waste of her powers because Belle's going to figure it out soon enough, I'm sure. And Belle doesn't ever care about this. Right. We all know that Belle loves the beast in the man, right? We've been through this same plot so many times. She'll be mad for like two episodes and then he'll, I don't know, stop a puppy from getting hit by a car and she'll be like, oh, I guess there is a man inside the beast and they'll hook up again. So Emma's like, so we're at a bit of a stalemate here and you need to decide the kind of man you want to be because that's the arc words for this episode. Yeah, and Emma needs Rumple to set up next season for her. So we cut to the charming loft where Emma is telling... Her parents, that it's not fair that Killian sacrificed- Killian did a reverse charming. Killian sacrificed himself and actually had to die, and it didn't fix the problem. 
as opposed to the Charmings, who sacrifice themselves but then never actually have to die. Anyway, Emma thinks it isn't fair that he sacrificed himself and they didn't even get rid of dark magic, so she's going to go to hell, give him half of her heart, and pull him back up to the world. Okay, so she says Hook sacrificed himself for all of us. Okay. From the problem he created. Yes, if someone's about to run over you with their car, if someone's chasing you down in their car and then they decide to stop before they hit you, they didn't save you from getting hit by a car. If someone's holding a gun on you and they decide not to pull the trigger, they did not save you from getting murdered. Hook does not get credit for not sending your family to hell. I mean, he did destroy all dark magic, but also he's the reason Emma was unable to destroy all dark magic earlier, so... He... He got them out of a situation he put them in. He's like, we all... She's like, we all owe Hook for saving us from hell. No, Hook... He opened the portal to hell! Yeah, you don't... I'm so mad at this. This is possibly the maddest I've been at this show. It's funny, you are so much more mad than I am. I think it's because when I get mad enough at a guy, I, I'm i just done with them. Like, the anger, all of the anger that I've been storing up just evaporates from my body. And it's like, no, I'm just done with you. And I think that's where I am with Hook. I'm just done with him. Done with you. He's dead to me, which is convenient because he's in hell. Emma, please do not go into hell and pull up men who are dead to me. But no, Rumple calls Karen... And Emma brings her entire family to hell. Including baby Neil, by the way. Baby Neil comes to hell with them. Great parenting. Okay, so what's very, very frustrating about this is that I remember when we were watching this initially, how excited we were for this season. We're like, oh my god, they're going to hell. It's so cool. We're going to get to see all these characters we haven't seen in a while. And oh, I bet they're going to do Hades, which means we're going to get Hercules. And there's going to be all this really cool stuff. Spoiler alert. No. Nope. No. We're going to be sitting in Hell's waiting room for about 12 episodes. All right, well, let's wrap it up. All right. So, Fashion Corner. Regina kills it as always. Regina's evil queen outfit was amazing. It's like they were mad that now that they left the Camelot stuff behind, they haven't been able to do cool stuff with her. I mean, it was just a great, uh, it was just a great maroon corset coat. And like I said, I like the detail of the feather collar since it calls back to the outfit she wears to her mother's not funeral. So that's it for fashion, I think. Everybody else was just wearing what they wear. Again, we're now deep into the parts of this show that we've only watched once. But I kind of feel like you can skip the next season. And all you need to know is that... Spoilers. Yeah, I think you're right there. Anyway, the next episode coming up is Souls of the Departed. So I guess that wraps us up for this week. Yep. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you would like to become one of our patrons, you could go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on the Patreon link. You can also listen to old episodes while you're there. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. 
If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash I Love Television Zines. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Thank <laughs> you.